welcome to the Vineyard Boise Sunday Message Podcast. You can join us live on Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. on Facebook, YouTube, and vineyardboise.org slash live. Subscribe to our message podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts. And if you'd like to support Vineyard Boise, you can give online at vineyardboise.org slash give. Today's message is brought to you by Pastor Mike Freeman. Enjoy. Okay, I'm basically, I'm already done. I just got carried away. I even had a streamer. I've never done a streamer before. That was like so fun. But I think I'm done already. Okay, if you'll mind, just, just a moment, this may help me, because I thought, surely this would be enough time to recover energy and, and, and vigor, but I just saw Amy Payne over here. Crimity's sakes, Amy. I hugged you last week, so you're good. Good to see you guys. Wow, it's just been a long time. Okay. Okay. I, I, need, uh, I need your prayers, because I... I just keep shrinking. <laughs> you know, I've gone down one size, and this size is feeling like the other one was. And honestly, I'm not sick. I mean, this is this was the the cancer cardiac arrest plan, and and you just when you change the way you live for three months, it starts showing. Which is actually a bit of a sermon in itself, isn't it? We live in an instant result culture where we just want to see things happen. We want to have a meeting and boom, it's done. We want to do a weekend workshop and boom, it's done. And these can be great catalysts, but when you actually change the way you do life day in and day out, it's amazing how it shows up, the ways that it shows up. So glad to be here. Uh, let's start. I want to start with a prayer by Ted Loader. I was praying this this, this morning in the the smoking section on my patio. Um, It's a good prayer. Gentle me, holy one, into an unclenched moment. A deep breath, a letting go of heavy expectancies, of shriveling anxieties, of dead certainties. That softened by the silence, surrounded by the light, and open to the mystery, I may be found by wholeness, upheld by the unfathomable, entranced by the simple, and filled with the joy that is you. And Lord, may the mess of these words somehow contribute for each of us to the answer to that prayer. Lord, may these words gentle us into the wisdom and the meekness that comes from you. Amen. Okay. Well, how about we start with a bit of scripture, eh? Okay. Brothers and sisters, Christ has set you free. So stand firm. Don't let yourselves be burdened again with a yoke of slavery. And don't use your freedom as an opportunity to indulge your misguided fleshly nature, but by love, serve one another. The entire law is summed up in this one word, love your neighbor as yourself. But if you go on 
biting and devouring one another. Watch out or you will be consumed by one another. And so I, I tell you, walk in the Spirit and you will not fulfill the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what's contrary to the Spirit and the Spirit what's contrary to the flesh. These two are in opposition to one another so that you cannot do the things that you would. But if you're led by the Spirit, then you're no longer under the law. Now, the works of the flesh, well, they're obvious, easy to spot. Here they are. Sexual morality, impurity and debauchery, idolatry and sorcery, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, divisions, factions, envies, murders, drunkenness, and the like, of which I tell you now, as I told you before, those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. Ah, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. And against such, there is no restraint. There is no law. And those who belong to Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, then let's keep in step with the Spirit. Let's not go on being conceited provoking one another, envying one another. No, instead, if a brother or sister is overtaken in a sin and loses their way, then you who are spiritual, restore such a one gently with a spirit of meekness, remembering that you're not immune from that condition either. Bear one another's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. For if anyone thinks he's something when he's nothing, he deceives himself and, and well... His boasting is useless. Each of us must test our own actions. And then we can take pride in ourselves without comparing ourselves to one another. And each of us must carry his own load in this respect. So let all who are instructed in the word share all good things with the one who instructs you. Don't be deceived. God cannot be mocked. Whatever you sow, you reap. The one who sows to please the flesh from the flesh will reap corruption. The one who sows to please the Spirit from the Spirit will reap eternal life. And so let's not grow weary in doing good, for in due season we will reap a harvest if we faint not. And so therefore, as we have opportunity, do good to everyone, especially to those belonging to the family of believers. Look, look at what large letters I use as I write to you with my own hand. Those who are trying to make a good impression outwardly are trying to force you to be circumcised. But the only reason they're doing this is so they may avoid being persecuted for the cross of Christ. And yet not even those who are circumcised obey the law. Oh, but they want you to be circumcised so they may boast about your flesh. But far be it from me to boast, save in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, through which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision means anything. The only thing that matters is a new creation. Shalom. Shalom upon all who walk by this rule and mercy, even upon the Israel of God. And so from this time forward, let no one cause me any more grief. I bear in my body the marks of Jesus. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit, my brothers and sisters. Amen. All right, there we go. Okay, so...
God, that felt good. Okay. So what was that? A lot of you are asking, what was that? You at home are asking, where are you? Oh, there you are. Okay. You at home are asking, what was that? This question will continue recurring through the morning. But what was that? Somebody shout it out. Okay. This is your test for the morning. Galatians. Okay. Uh, more specifically, where is it found? Galatians 5 and 6. There we go. Uh, okay. So I kind of cheated. Started with 5.1, jumped ahead to like 13, and then ran through the rest of it. I think I did pretty well because I didn't tell you what I was doing. Therefore, you could not find the script to see how well I was tracking, but I think I tracked pretty well. Now, if only we all could track pretty well with that. Now, now Brent said, and it's true, that we're starting a new series, but actually in a deeper sense, it's not true. It's never really a new series. I mean, the last three weeks specifically, it was, it was the kingdom of God, thy kingdom come. But you understand that everything we ever say or do here is all about Jesus and the kingdom and its implications. Everything we do and say is just elaboration, clarification, or amplification of the same curriculum. The same divine curriculum was as the one announced by Jesus when he said, repent. For the kingdom of heaven is at hand. The implications of that kingdom now unfold. Now we can rightly focus on what Jesus began to do as he went about Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and healing all manners of disease and sickness among the people. These go hand in hand. What else goes hand in hand is the first word that he mentioned, which is repent. Now we don't like the word repent a whole lot. Sounds very religiously. Most of us don't, you're not going to go to work tomorrow, and if you make a mistake at work, you're going to say, ah, I repent. <laughs> it's, just, it, it does, it's not common parlance. We enter into this room, and all of a sudden, it's, yeah, yeah, he needs to repent. You know, you should repent. I've repented. You repented. We leave the room, and it's all of a sudden, we use other words, like, you know, I need to change my direction. I've been going the wrong way. I've been listening to Siri, and I need to know where the U-turn, because I got lost yet again. So we use other terms for that very religiously sounding one. Repentance. Repentance is the first step that Jesus said we take. Repent and believe the good news, yes? We do that about face. We enter into trust. And now watch what begins to happen and unfold in your life. And yes, there will be the miraculous. Yes, there will be divine outbreakings, inbreakings. The most, the most significant, deepest inbreaking of God is at that epicenter right in the center of Galatians 5 and 6. Everything points to it. I mean, Paul's whole point, you go back to Galatians 3. I really was tempted just to preach the book of Galatians this morning. But that shall have to wait for another time. Oh, foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you before your very eyes? Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed as crucified. Just tell me this one thing. Did you receive the Spirit by observing the law or by believing what you heard? Are you so foolish, having, having begun with the Spirit, and you're trying to reach your goal on the basis of human efforts? Have you suffered and experienced so many things for nothing, if it really was for nothing? At the center of their experience was Jesus Christ in him crucified. 
That's what they heard. And they just looked, they saw, and transformation began. And they entered into a life of trust. And Paul is saying, don't get derailed from that. And in 5 and 6, he's going through, these are what the implications of this are. The implications are, we find a new way of doing life. And this morning, we, we basically are kicking off into nine weeks of looking at what those implications are, what specific area of clarification, elaboration, amplification of what it means to be walking in the kingdom. And it's very boring because it's the day in and day out how you do life. There's a key word, and this would be a cue to get that word. It's that really foreign-looking word. It's called a lelon. This would be the PowerPoint. There we go, a lelon. Everybody say, a lelon. A lelon. Say it again with conviction. A lelon. Okay, well, that's kind of pointless, but it was kind of fun for a moment. A lelon. All right, the Greek word, a lelon. Am I showing off? Well, of course I'm showing off. <laughs> No, words are just cool. Words are fun. Alelon, um, alelon. Alelon is, is basically a reduplicated word. There's, um, well, there's the Greek word heteros, which means another of a different kind, basically, kind of. And then there's alos, which is another of the same kind. Alos and alos, alelon. Alos and alos. It's, a, it's called a reciprocal pronoun. Action going back and forth between the two. Alos and alos. I, got a, okay, I think there was a picture. I had a picture of two people talking. It was kind of cool. This is, this is I think, healthy aleloning or one anothering. It's reciprocating, reciprocal interaction face-to-face -face with one another. Yes, there's a bit of an antithesis to our practice, our cultural inauguration and enculturization into social distancing. Alelon is desperately trying to work around whatever barriers it might find to find ways in which we may be alelon, one another. Now, the key thing here is this is not heteros and alas. You understand when you're dealing with a human being, everyone is an alos. There are no heteros among us. We're all alos. We are all of the same kind. All right? Alos and alos. Alelon. Reciprocal interaction, engagement with one another. Now, I should look at my notes, see where I'm going exactly. Where am I going? Where am I going? Hang on, hang on. Hang on, I want to make sure I stay on cue. Okay, oh, I kind of made this point already. I don't even know if you need to show it so much. We talk about alelon and one anothering, and yes, I am making a word up. One another is not a verb. I'm just changing it into one. Encourage you to try it. Ooh, good one anothering that's happening there. There is a group of women sitting around a table in Heritage Hall. I don't know if I remember to say, hey, good one anothering but it was good one anothering. Kingdoming, and yes, kingdom isn't a verb either, but it should be. Because kingdoming my way through life means healthy one anothering in my way through life. It's just an extension one of the other. If you're kingdoming well, you're going to be one anothering well. Because here's the thing, this word, this word alelon occurs a hundred times in the New Testament. 
which is the, the newer portion of, of your Bible for those who haven't been initiated yet. And, and if you'd like help with that, I love doing that. I love initiating people uh, into, into this library. But 100 times in 94 passages in the New Testament, alelum. Now the thing is, I don't know the exact percentage, but there's a high number of those which are not healthy, what I would call toxic one anothering. And so I've got a, um, okay, I've got another slide. What is it? It's like 11 or something like that. Oh, no, go on, go on. We'll get back to that in a minute. This one right here. Now, there's the problem here. There's the problem. I'm glad that hasn't been corrected yet because that's not on anothering E. (laughs) It's actually one anothering. But the problem is we're a bit... We're just schismatic with it. We're divided. We're toxic with it. See, on the far side there, and it's, I love the fact that it's just shuffled a bit and disheveled. That's good because we find in the New Testament, hate one another, you betray one another, you grump. Oh, no, keep it there. I'm reading it. Okay, hate one another, betray one another, grumble against one another, speak against one another, judge one another, strive against one another, bite and devour one another, divide against one another, defraud one another, lie to one another, begrudge one another, kill one another. All of this comes naturally. You're already fully equipped. Your entrance into this planet and your inauguration and launching into our culture, you're already doing all of this. The best place where you can shine with it, of course, would be social media. Perfect. We shine beautifully. Actually, but it comes through everywhere. We are not doing a series on toxic one anothering because you already got it. You're already there. We're focusing on the nine on the other side. Love one another. Live in harmony with one another. Welcome one another. Help one another, greet one another, forgive one another, submit to one another, provoke one another. That sounds negative, but it's actually it's Hebrews 10, right? Provoke one another to what? To love and good deeds. You know what that word prov- provoke means, literally? It means to poke someone with a sharp stick. Yeah, because you see, we need this. We need this. Healthy provoking one another. Now, the unhealthy provoking one another, yeah, that's on the other side. We do that all the time. Paul said, no, enough of being conceited and provoking and envying one another. That's the toxic kind. We're not picking fights. We're provoking to love. And then pray for one another. Those are the nine. They're somewhat random. I mean, we decided that we would do this one anothering thing through the summer. It would be a good point of focus for us as we, as we go through the, the rest of, of these summer weeks. And, and so, yes, I did have a very spiritual process. I Googled. I Googled one another in the Bible. And I came up with a full list. It was just like, there was, just a, there was a website that was just like a full list of them with scriptures and such. And it, it was like a smorgasbord. I just went through it. I said, ooh, that one would be good. That one would be good. That one would be good. Okay, that's kind of the same as that. That one's good. 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 And, until I had a list of nine. And, and then, okay, but we have nine weeks. Nine is good. 
And then I looked at them, and it was just interesting, the progression of them, which we will find as we go through. Love is kind of a no-brainer for the beginning. But recognizing and realizing that there were nine one-anothers, because we started off with nine weeks, and I ended up with nine going through the list. Galatians 5, the fruit of the Spirit. How many facets of this fruit are there? Nine. And my brother Jesse prepared uh, basically sheets for each of these. All nine of these he prepared on sheets, and then he placed them on each of the pillars in Heritage Hall. Do you know how many pillars there are in Heritage Hall? Nine. So think about that for a moment. What does the life of this church rest upon? Nine pillars of healthy one anothering. Healthy kingdoming together. Alos to alos. One anothering in Christ together. Now, oh, let's see. Calvin, do you know, did Mitchell work out the video? Do you know? Oh, he did. Fantastic. I think we even have time for it. Okay. So Galatians, that was just kind of, that was just a freebie. The, the actual text for this morning, uh, you'll get now. And we're not going to like exegete it. And, and, and we're just going to listen to it together. And, and if all works well, we actually have a celebrity reader for this morning. Uh, we are going to have uh, Matthew McConaughey read the text this morning from um, 1 Corinthians 12. I think it's like 12 through 27. So if that's good, now it would really be a letdown if it's not, right? Let's, let's, let's roll it. Go, Matthew. So we can easily enough see how this kind of thing works by looking no further than our own body. Our body has many parts. It has limbs, organs, cells. But no matter how many parts we can name, we are still one body. It's exactly the same with Christ. By means of his one spirit, we all said goodbye to our partial and piecemeal lives. We each used to independently call our own shots, but then we entered into a large and integrated life in which he has the final say in everything. This is what we proclaimed in word and action when we were baptized. Each of us is now a part of his resurrection body, refreshed and sustained at one fountain, his spirit, where we all come to drink. The old labels that we once used to identify ourselves, labels like Jew or Greek, slave or free, are no longer useful. We need something larger and more comprehensive. Let's take a moment to think about how this makes all of us more significant and not less. A body isn't just a single part blown up into something huge. It's all the different but similar parts arranged and functioning together. Think about it. If foot said, I am not elegant like hand, embellished with rings, I guess I don't belong to this body, would that make it so? Of course not. And if ear said, I am not beautiful like you, I, limpid and expressive, I don't deserve a place on the head, would you want to remove it from the body? I mean, if the body was all I, how could it hear? If the body was all ear, how could it smell? As it is, we see that God has carefully placed each part of the body right where he wanted it. Now let's also think about how this keeps our significance from getting blown up into self-importance. For no matter how significant we are, it is only because of what we are a part of. Think about it. An enormous eye or a gigantic hand would not be a body, it would be a monster. 
What we have is one body with many parts, each its proper size and in its proper place. No part is important on its own. Can you imagine the eye telling the hand, get lost, I don't need you, hand, or the head telling the foot, you're fired, your job has been phased out. As a matter of fact, in practice, it seems to work the other way. The lower the part, the more basic the part of the body, the therefore more necessary. And think about it, we can live without an eye, for instance, but we cannot live without a stomach. When it's a part of our own body we are concerned with, it makes no difference whether the part is visible or clothed, higher or lower. We give it dignity and honor just as it is without comparisons. And if anything, we seem to have more concern for the lower parts of our body than the higher. I mean, think about it. If we had to choose, wouldn't we prefer good digestion to a full head of hair? Yeah, that's debatable. <laughs> I mean... Woo, hang on, I can handle a little indigestion, but come on. Been working on this hairline for a while. God, give me a break on that one. The way God designed our bodies is a model for understanding our lives together in society as well as in the church. Every part dependent on every other part. The parts we mention and the parts we do not mention. The parts we see and the parts we don't see. If one part hurts, every other part is involved in the hurt and in the healing. If one part flourishes, every other part enters into that exuberance. We are Christ's body. That's who we are. We must never forget this. Only as we accept our part of that body does our part mean anything. Amen. Whew. Okay. Wow. Celebrity reader. Wow. Alelon. What he just read is blowing up that word, alelon, and making it real. Alelon. Every part in this body, integral, valued. What brings out that value is when it's suddenly hurting, of course. Now the whole body rushes to its aid. Without complaint, you're there and you recognize alelon. Uh, there is, okay, can we, can we get the slide? The one that has, it has that, well, I think it's slide number 12. Yeah, there we go. What is this a symbol of? What would you say? Yeah, it's the power button with that marvelous arrow going around. I just, I googled reset. And this is what it gave me. Okay, that's the reset symbol. There's a lot of talk now about, about our culture being at a point of cultural reset, which can be really be, it can really be scary. We think, well, what does that mean? What's on the other side of this cultural reset? What does it mean for the church? What does it mean for society? What does it mean politically? What does it mean on every level of existence? What does that mean, a cultural reset? Well, here's the reality. Cultures set and reset and set and reset constantly. There's like a huge... Depending on how you count it, 
yeah, we're, we're kind of like at a hinge point like that, just looking at it historically. Um, there are also, within those big moments, pivotal historical moments like tectonic plates, there are, there are other reshifts that happen maybe every 40 to 50 years. And, and we all feel these. They're kind of like societal earthquakes, and they unsettle us. As, but it's just the way the earth is made, right? As the plates shift, all right, and we experience slippage. Um, always love that. Yeah, the earth just had a little slip. And San Francisco just collapsed in 1906, right? And burned. Um, but here's the thing. We can look at it historically. We can map it out as far as culture and as far as society. But the reality of what we are exposed to in that opening text in Galatians is that there has been the ultimate cosmic reset that took place in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. It's just most of us fight against it. Most of us are not in sync with it. We're like those who are slaves in Galveston who hadn't gotten word of an emancipation proclamation that took place two years previous until federal soldiers arrived and said, oh yeah, you guys are free. Hadn't you heard? You're free. Oh, and there's also an amendment just passed to the Constitution that makes it part of the law and not just a proclamation. Oh, yeah. They weren't in sync with it. We fight against it. We're not in sync with it. The constant challenge, I believe, for us as people walking in this world subject to its shifts is to remember the cosmic shift that's taken place in Jesus and how it has ushered us into the realm of God that says it is no longer business as usual. But yet we keep doing business as usual, and unfortunately in no place as blatantly, or, okay, this, is, or this just sounds harsh, but I'll just run with it, got started. No place as blatantly as in sacred holes and within holy walls, because that's the last place where that should be found. Are you mere men, Paul says? You're just acting like men, like carnal people. You are pneumaticoi, you're people filled with divine breath. And so why don't you show it in how you treat one another, you Corinthians? Slipping over from Galatians to Corinthians. But it's a common theme. You find it through all of his letters. This shows in how we treat and conduct ourselves with one another. Not just inside here, but it's especially inside of here. What did Paul say? Therefore, as you have opportunity, what? Do good. To whom? To everyone. Everyone. If it's human. In fact, if it's human. If it's a creature. I preach to mallards every morning and I greet them along the canal. <laughs> And I say, oh, peach tree, apricot tree, looking good today. It sounds wacky. I stop it when people walk by. And I say, good morning. This is a little bit of the spirituality of St. Francis, because I think St. Francis, in a lot of ways, St. Francis stands out. If you, if you move from Jesus to St. Francis, and then to our day, I think the next Stepping stone would probably be Mother Teresa. And it's like, these people got it. 
this inherent connection to everything living and breathing on the planet as we are groaning in a creation that is groaning in pains of childbirth and we're midwives, not exploiters. We are midwives saying, birth, breathe. And so there's this connection. If it's human, we connect, we engage with respect and with dignity. That's healthy one-anothering. And if Jesus delivers front and center. And that's why Paul is saying, you're out of sync. If you're on the other side of that one-anothering, all of that hating, begrudging, and judging, and all of that, well, that's what comes natural. That's what comes by the first birth. You need the second one. The second one is where Jesus begins to show. And Jesus begins to show in how you treat your fellow humans and then everything else. So we start with the one another of love one another. Gosh, this is, I'm sorry, I just got carried away. I thought, gosh, you've got so much time. I'm just swimming in time. But I'm not. So, love one another. That's a whole sermon in itself, and I'm not going to preach another sermon. Uh, I, I want to talk about love one another. Actually, the next eight weeks following this are all about love one another. It's just the more specific. It's amplifying what it means to love one another. What I want to leave you with this morning are two stories to help get this in front of us. And the first story, I would like uh, Brother Brent to come up. You're still in the room, Brent? I'm, oh, good. Thank you. Okay. I want Brent to come up and share a story. And uh, Brent, you've got like, oh, I don't know, 120 seconds or something. So I just got carried away. Yeah, just go for it. I'll dismiss you all at 11.30, wherever we are. Well, this is the easy part. I just get to tell a story. He gets to explain how it fits. So there you go. So a few years, actually, it was just now two years ago, uh, we took our whole family to Disneyland, which is a lot of fun. And we are Disneyland people. We enjoy it. We enjoy all of it. We enjoy the craziness of it. We, enjoy, we, we love it. So we were... <laughs> In, at Disneyland, and, and this particular day, we had gone over to California Adventure, the park next door, and my son decided to buy this hat for himself, and they all took their own money, and, you know, he decided he was going to buy this Mickey Mouse hat that I found slightly ridiculous, but thought, well, it's your own money, do what you want. So he spends $39.99 on a hat, <laughs> and then gets on the next ride. You can see where the story is going. He gets on uh, Guardians of the Galaxy with my wife and daughters. I don't ride that ride. I don't consider that a ride. It used to be called the Tower of Terror, and it's for good reason. I don't go on it. I watch from below. So they get on this ride, and he emerges crying from the ride, sobbing, actually, because the hat is still on the ride somewhere or somewhere in Southern California. We don't know, but it is gone. And so we ask at the bottom of the ride if, the, if you know, the, any, if anyone could help us. And, you know, he's distraught. And um, <laughs> the lady says, yeah, you just need to go to, there's a desk at the front of California Adventure and just go talk to them. So I thought, well, okay, we'll go talk to them. So we go to the desk at the front of the park and we say, we explain the situation. And he says, oh, yeah, uh, here, here's a number. Take this number. And I thought, oh, okay. Okay, we'll take this now. You know, you're at Disneyland. I think that day there were 110,000 people in California Adventure alone, not Disneyland, but just in the, the smaller park we were at, just at that very moment. And he gives us a number that had nine, it was nine digits on a ticket. And we were like, oh, okay. And so I knelt down and I explained to my nine-year-old, 
that this was never going to happen. <laughs> Just, you know, this, son, I need you to understand, there are nine digits on this little ticket. It's, your, your hat is gone. So we leave the park, we go back to the hotel, we, they swim, they do their thing. We, the next morning, uh, so the guy at the desk had said, tomorrow morning, go to Lost and Found and present this ticket. I said, okay, sure. Well, so we get up right and early, we head to the park, and it's before the park opens, and Kate says to me, I'm going to get all the girls in, you and Moses go to Lost and Found. I was like, oh, why me? Why do I have to take up to Lost and Found? Can't you take them to Lost and Found? Sounds like your job. No. <laughs> She's the organized administrative one. I just don't care. So, she t so I take Moses to Lost and Found, and we wait in line behind another family from Boise, which was super fun. We get talking, and, you know, we're in the queue for quite some time. The kids are waiting to go into the park, and we're waiting, and we go into this, you know, organized little office, and there's a counter there, and there's a woman behind the counter, and she's dressed like Mary Poppins, and she sounds like Mary Poppins, and she says, good morning, ticket, please. And I thought, you cannot be serious right now. Okay, you know, and I'm just, I'm all the way in line, I'm just bracing like, Moses, I just need you to understand, like, no matter how friendly and nice she is, your hat is never coming home. And I, so I, you know, I kind of nod at my son, and there's, he's holding back tears. He's understanding, he's, you know, I hand her the ticket, and she goes, oh, 976525. And she disappears behind a wall, and this is not even, this is no exaggeration of any kind. She disappears behind the wall. She comes back through a door on the other side of the wall with hat and ticket in hand. <laughs> Everything I've just described to you is the absolute truth. And I was standing there like this. Like, I mean, I'll take the hat, but how did you do that? <laughs> like, I would pay $39.99 to know what just happened back there. <laughs> and so I said to her, I said, ma'am, I, I, uh, I, and I said, I am truly impressed. And I said, you know, a lot of people, I told her this, I said, a lot of people want the backstage tour of what happens at Disneyland in the park. I want the backstage tour of what just happened at your lost and found. <laughs> and do you know what she did? She didn't say a word. She smiled at me and she pointed to this sign up on the wall. Go ahead. You can't read this sign, but I took a photo of it. This sign says, the magic begins with me. And her and her whole team had signed this. All she did was point and smile and say, have a wonderful day at the parks. Thank you, Brent. Oh, awesome. No, I will just trim myself accordingly. That was, that was, that's priceless. That is absolutely priceless. All right, so what's the connection? All right, connection very simply this, people. The magic that we bring to this world is people who have the audacity to wow others with the way we love them, the way we welcome them, the way we thank them, the way we greet them.
the way we pray for them. That's the magic that we bring. That is the, that's the magic of the true kingdom. Yes? Now, do not be afraid. You're saying, okay, what's he doing? What is this? What is this? This is... This, all right, so if you can't wait, and God bless you, Mitchell Maldonado. He's been out of town doing this on the road, getting back, and this is a prototype T-shirt. I said it would be awesome. Oops, wait, 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 sorry. That's right, we do this? Okay, now Sophie's happy. Good. Don't need to repeat everything I just said, you basically got it. Okay, all right, good. All right. Mitchell, I just said, hey, come up with a design. Just play with it, have fun. The front just needs to say, the love begins with me. Which sounds really, I don't know, gushy and oh, God, gag me. But when you flesh out what that means and just flush the sentiment and flesh out the reality of it, and you begin to keep in step with the spirit, which is love, joy, peace, patience, guidance, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, against which there is no restraint, then you are hitting, okay, if you can see it, you're sinking with the ultimate reset button. There you go. So just want it to be entered into the annals of Vineyard Boise that on this morning, we had a celebrity reader. <laughs> and we had the sermon title and logo on a t-shirt. <laughs> now, uh, your job is to live it without the shirt. If we get the shirts, I mean, okay, that could sound wrong. <laughs> Have a shirt on. Okay. It's easy to put on a shirt and it's easy to slap something on your bumper sticker. But for crying out loud, if you're going to wear a shirt like this, you're writing a check, aren't you? If you've got a bumper sticker on your car that says this or come as you are, you'll be loved, you're writing a check. So it's easy to write checks. It's having the funds, the substance to back it up, and the substance is Christ. All right. We're going to take communion as our final act of worship together. And as what is a key demonstration of one anothering. There is no altar in the New Testament economy because we're the temple. We become altar, we become sacrifice, we become living temple, we become priests. We, we are it. That's part of the whole reset of Jesus. If there is anything that would be the centerpiece or the epicenter of, of the Jesus movement, it is a table. They gathered around a table, people. 
That's usually an option for us. You leave here, eh, if you want to, you can go have lunch with someone. They'd be saying, wait a minute, what are you doing? You're done? And you've not gathered around a table. And whenever they gathered around a table to break bread and, and drink wine, which was staple at every meal, whatever else was on the table, these became the body and the blood of Jesus. And so we're going to let you all just take it from here. And you all have, you, you have, yes, if you didn't get it, I'm sure it's around. We'll find some for you. I will pour you a cup myself if we need to. But, and at home, have a meal. You should like be ready to eat a meal together at home and make it part of it. But there we go. And in three minutes, get out of here when you're ready. Okay, go ahead. So let's take the bread. The reality is that he loved us first. And what we're doing today is just a demonstration of his love for us. And so let's pray. Lord, we thank you that you broke your body. You gave up your life for us. We acknowledge your sacrifice and how much love came with it. And we take this bread together. And aren't you thankful for the blood? The blood that covers every sin, every mistake, every sickness, every disease. So I just encourage you, if you have a, if you have something physically even in your body this morning, let's just believe as we take this blood, it's a holy moment. It's going to cover every sickness, every disease. This is our healing that Jesus provided for us. So Father God, we just thank you for your blood that covers every disease, every sickness, every sin, every shame. The blood that washes us clean is the miracle-working power in our bodies. So we thank you this morning. If there's people that have come in here who, who are physically ill or needs, need healing emotionally, God, as they, as they take this communion, they have this moment with you, we just thank you that you will bring healing to their bodies, healing to their lives in Jesus' name. Let's drink. Amen. I'm relishing the fact that it's 11.29 and 40 seconds. So don't blow it now, Mike. Don't start talking too much. Lord, gentle us into your ways. Healthy, life-giving, one-anothering. Where we love one another. We live in harmony with one another. Welcome one another. We greet one another. We submit to one another. We forgive one another. Pray for one another. And yes, in all the right ways, we provoke one another to love and to good deeds. Let our life together be built upon these nine pillars, Lord, of your kingdom. 
that others may see and know that your kingdom is alive in us because they just brushed up against it in us, Lord. And we ask in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. All right. Go love one another. Go eat with one another. Yes? Amen. Thanks for listening. To respond or receive prayer after the live stream closes, please email prayer at vineyardboise.org. And if possible, include your phone number. We'd love to get in touch with you. Thanks.